Welcome to Ah oh, Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. And we are at the, still in the quarantine, <laughs> things are changing but are weird, I'm getting weird text from my brother to read Fox News articles about how oh California is uh, authoritarian. I don't know what's going on. Oh. <laughs> that sounds like my mom. Oh, wow. Really? Some, Your mom is watching Fox News? She's Oh, she loves it, man. She loves it. She's like, and she works in a hospital, too. She tests for COVID. She does COVID testing. Oh, man. But she still I'm is sorry. like, I, yeah, I don't know. She's She's a... You know, she's a complicated woman. <laughs> That's how she holds yeah. a lot of conflicting ideas in her head at once. You know. Wow, yeah. my, my I wish I could say that for about my brother and my my dad. <laughs> they're just single-minded. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know. But I did feel bad because I went for a dog walk this morning, and I mentally just was tired and went out before we started recording. And halfway through the walk, I realized I forgot my mask. And oh, I yeah. honestly, I was more concerned that I was going to get outed. Yeah, people <laughs> like, would be I was like, like there I was, is. Yeah, I would be bitch. like, if I get sick, I get sick. I can blame that on myself. But to get outed, it's like to think that people think I'm not being uh, courteous or caring. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, totally. I did the same th- the other morning. Like Jess and I went out to walk. The- it's always walking the dog. And I was just yeah. like, fuck, I left it. I have to run back and grab. Like, I was only half a block down the street. So I just, like, ran back. And, you know, nobody in my neighborhood gives a shit. Like, <laughs> everybody's just chilling with no mask on, like, walking way close. I feel like people are spitefully walking closer to us when we're walking down the street sometimes. Right. Like, well, sincerely. I don't want to get the, I don't want to get the, um, the, our show doxxed. But um, do you think they don't wear masks near you because you're right across the street from the Scientology Center? <laughs> they, I mean, their security guards wear masks and like okay. their okay. staff seem to wear masks. I think it's like, it's, uh, I mean, just 90% dudes who just don't give a shit. Like, I, I don't know. And then it's like, you know, or like women on hikes. It's like two, it'll be like two friends in workout gear, not in a mask, and just like being like, fuck you. I'm like, okay. Weird. They don't give a shit, man. They don't. They got to stay healthy. It's just a thing of don't tell me what to do, I think, more than anything. Yeah, which is funny because you have all the right. No one's saying that. I have not heard of anybody that I personally know getting a ticket right, like or the being cops arrested. Aren't gonna, yeah, it's yeah. just like a yeah. It's like you said, it's a courtesy thing. <laughs> yeah, very strange, very strange. Or is it? You think some of the people are like I just don't look good in a mask? <laughs> I'm truly yes in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 100%. We are in L.A. Yeah, they don't want like a tan line. <laughs> oh, I I wish th- I wish that would come like become a thing. They were like tan line, like <laughs> it was like it became fashionable and like you get like to show off your like mask tan line. Yeah, how cool it really, would like, be? Yeah, in t- in yeah. twenty twenty one, that's gonna be the good look. <laughs> yeah, top half and it will, golden, like, bottom half pale. <laughs> and I could see them be- it being like a badge of honor. Yeah, like. Look, this is how much I care. <laughs> <laughs> but we're still outside. 
<laughs> I was outside always. 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 But I wore a mask. <laughs> <laughs> like fundraisers hosted by them and they're showing them. Oh, yeah. Or like if I don't even know if this. I mean, I'm assuming this still happens, but Miss America pageants, if they have them. I think they do. Right. I'm pretty sure. I'm assuming they, they do. Yeah. I just, I haven't kept up on caring. <laughs> I've, I don't think I've ever watched one. I've watched like the clips of funny stuff. Right. You know. That. I know Vanessa Williams, but I know Vanessa Williams. I think that's who I'm getting a name. I know Vanessa Williams won one. And then did Playboy, and it was controversial. Oh, my God. How long ago must this have been? Like 80s. I don't give yeah, a shit man. about current affairs. I'm Googling it. 84? Yeah. Probably, 84. yeah. I just remember that. I don't know why. I just remember That's that being a big funny. deal. And I was, like, not even born yet. I just know about it. I was born in, I mean, I was born. I just wasn't, like, Koei. Like, it's just in the lexicon. I wasn't, like, it's one years culture. old. Yeah. And it's a funny thing of pop culture. <laughs> and also, it's just it just falls into that rank stuff. So just like, let that woman do what she wants. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure, you know, in the <laughs> 80s, it's like, was probably very controversial. Yeah. Wild times. Yeah. Weird times. <laughs> You're right. It is weird, weird times. times. And weird times call for weird <laughs> tales. <laughs> Woo! Kate fucking Woo! got it. Got it. I got to give you credit for that one. I probably would have moved on. <laughs> But before we can get to those weird tale stories that we're covering this week, yeah. we got a little segment we like to call Hell to Pay. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. A cha-ching and then like a, a guitar like march. A vague, a vague Pink Floyd thing happening there. I love it. This is a very cool thing. Um, we only have one thing to talk about uh, for this segment this week. This comes from comicbook.com, cb.com. Here is the headline for this article from May 13th. Hellboy board game adding piece based on Mignola's giant robot Hellboy quarantine dry. So if you haven't oh, seen wow. these giant robots, you can go to his Instagram, uh, Mike Mignola, and you'll be able to see all of his uh, quarantine drawings that he's still doing of breakfast cereal mascots. He's currently, I think, as we're as we're recording this, I think he's moved on to um, Thundercats, I think is the last thing I saw him doing was mm -hmm. the Thundercats. I think I woke up this morning and saw Mumra, and I was like, oh, cool. That is cool. He's doing a lot of cool stuff. I literally like his Ultraman. I think this sort of came out of his Ultraman stuff, or around that era when he started doing Ultraman and those monsters. I'm guessing because Ultraman, I don't know. Have you ever seen Ultraman, Kate? Not really. I mean, I've seen images of Ultraman and they look really cool. Like with the bubble eyes and the, like, it, you know, like this figure has a distinct Ultraman influence. I can see just from the like lines on the chin and the, the eye shape. Like the sort of like goggle eye shape and stuff. Like yeah. That. Ultraman like grows big Is to fight good? monsters. It's very, I, I, it's I like find it entertaining. Pre, it's like a pre Power Rangers kind of situation. But yes. Like, or it could have been in this. I don't, I, I mean, I'm not the Ultraman. Historian. I don't know the eras. Yeah. Historian. I'm assuming that Ultraman was originally like 70s, early 80s. And then eventually Power Rangers came. But I could, it could have fallen into the 80s. I don't know for sure. But I do think it pre preceded Power Rangers for sure. But I could be I could stand to be corrected. He definitely looks awesome. Um, yeah, I love him. I like his design a lot, and I like that it's just unlike Power Rangers where they get into giant machines that grow big or like or at least are big. He he's just a guy. he is a 
he's a guy in a suit, has magical powers. I don't know the whole origin. But when these monsters come and try to destroy, he just grows big and fights them. Sick. And it's and I love it. <laughs> I'm into my it. brother Yeah. I remember my brother went on a mission, Mormon mission, just to be specific. He went to Japan and came back and that was one of the things he brought was like That's awesome. He I remember those like videos of that TV show that he brought back along with some comics, Dragon Ball Z comics oh, from that's Japan. So cool. So that's how I was introduced to that stuff. It was like in its undubbed form, you know? That's cool. And, so, and then my uh our friend of the podcast who hasn't never been on the podcast but he does art for it. Hint hint we have some art from him coming yeah. um for the podcast. Our friend Scott Stanley, um you can follow him on Instagram just cuz I think people should check out his art. It's Stan- Scott Stanley art maker. He his, his his wife is from Japan, so his kids are half Japanese and he like he's all about Ultraman. <laughs> oh, I mean, it just looks really cool. I, I, and now I'm like looking more at it. It's just very fun. Like, I don't know. They can't, like, it's like campy and cool looking. And like, his just costume design is awesome. Yeah, I love it. Bringing it back to uh, Mignola, having that in, in, inspiration from all that through his sketches and making these giant robots, in a sense, to fight Kaiju, uh, this Hellboy. The the board game that we've we've played and we love for Mantic Games is officially making a figure that you can play as that giant Hellboy robot in the board game. So fun. <laughs> it's so great. I love that. And it's just off it's being inspired by these drawings. Um, this is what um, they say, just a real quick quote from the, from the article. This is what they say from uh, Mantic Games. It says, Mike Mignola has been doing pieces of art each day, different characters, different things, like some of the other wonderful people that work in our industry, raffling them off for charity. Mantic Games CEO Ronnie Rankin said, and we saw him do one, which was a Hellboy robot, giant robo Hellboy. And we got in contact with our chaps over at Dark Horse and said, we'd love to sculpt that. We're going to do it as a sculpt and we're going to donate some of the money from that one to charity. So they gave us permission to do that. I think James may well write some rules for it so we can even use it in your game. Awesome. <laughs> I love that it's not just a sculpture because... You could just make a sculpture and just be like a collector's item, yeah. but I love that they're incorporating it, has like it a function into. Too. Yeah, and then they continue just to close out this. Um, he says specifics of how the giant robot Hellboy will work in the game were teased, as well as including with the revelation that Mignola himself wrote a backstory for the sketch. <laughs> then I love this. The narrative of the giant robot Hellboy will be that Hellboy has been hypnotized and must control the robot on his own, making the playable character usable only in a single player scenario. Nice. <laughs> awesome. I love that. Um, and then it just says the first edition of giant robot Hellboy marks the first non-canon element from Hellboy to be added to the board game. Though it certainly could be argued that Mignola drawing the idea and then developing a backstory for it gives it a certain level of canon despite not appearing yeah. in a comic book yet. Yeah. <laughs> There's some legitimacy to that figure, I think. Yeah, and they have they they posted a little uh, I don't know if you've seen it, Kate, the little promo. Oh yeah, I looked it up. It I, he looks so awesome. He's like over the destroyed buildings and stuff. Yeah. Ah. Uh. I might, especially because it's charity, have to have to buy this. 
Um, if, if it's a reasonable price for Dave's, I was going to say, did for, they release the uh, what it was going to cost? Uh, no, I don't think they've released. I don't think they don't have a release date or money. I don't think yeah. here. Yeah, I think it's just a, something that they're teasing, getting us all excited. So hopefully, you know, we'll keep our ears to the ground, and when it goes live, uh, we'll we'll talk and we'll post about it. Hell yeah! But I'll definitely be posting a picture of the prototype on our uh, feed this week of the podcast. So sick. But that is, you know, that's a small one thing, but a really big, huge thing for hell to pay. Yeah. <laughs> that made no sense. That was such a contradictory statement. It's a tiny thing, but it's big in its importance, like that kind of thing. <laughs> is that an oxymoron? I don't know what that is. Or a statement that's just nonsensical. Oxymoron. <laughs> it, it just makes me think of uh, Oc- girly man. <laughs> it's an oxymoron. From is girl SNL characters? Girly Hans. Well, I mean, where is that from? It's from a movie. I think Danny DeVito says it. He's like a teacher. Oh man. Oh wow. I for some reason I immediately thought it was Hans and Franz from from SNL. I mean, he does it with a Schwarzenegger accent. Okay, so it's from a oh, movie. Twins? It's from a movie called. Well, I did just watch Twins recently, but it's not Twins. From a movie <laughs> called Renaissance. That was released oh. in 1994. Isn't it called Renaissance Man? Oh, Renaissance Man. My bad. My because <laughs> it's about the it's about army. And oh, he's I'm like a an army idiot. Uh, he's yeah. a teacher for soldiers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I must have watched that sometime many years ago, because I have the memory of him explaining that to students in like a teacher setting. Now I'm gonna have to watch this. I love it. Devito's a great actor. I love. Oh yeah, I'm a huge fan of the uh, Danny DeVito. Twins is pretty funny. It's like a cartoon. Yeah, that's a great way to describe. It. I am I to be honest, I don't think I've seen it from start to finish, so I couldn't that's tell you the fine. plot. Cuz I feel like it's a it, growing up it was a Saturday morning movie a lot. Yeah, it's the kind of movie or it's Saturday like afternoon. On cable, yeah. And I just remember always seeing clips from it and going, "Oh, okay." Wow. But be, probably as a dumb child, I was like, if it's not Commando, I'm not watching it because there's no action. I mean, you're not fully wrong, though. As a child, you weren't totally dumb. Danny DeVito's great. I love him on Sunny. Yeah, it's always Sunny so and Field. He plays the perfect, terrible human. It's just great, too, that he like was even on that show at all, that he like believed in the show and was like, yeah, I'll like, because I think he was a producer on it uh, i mean i'm not 100 percent sure but uh, i know he was like somehow involved behind the scenes and then was like yeah i'll act on it and, like just yeah. became this huge like he's just so funny like of course he needs to stay and continue doing that character of course and i what i love is he's also a great direct i think he's a great director he's directed a lot of stuff that i absolutely love I love this tangent, by the way, about Danny DeVito yes. that we have going. <laughs> Sorry, we're like going uh, I don't care. Who cares? Let's I mean, spread the love. I mean, he directed Matilda, right? I yeah. I remember loving Matilda. He'd throw Mama from the train, which is... He doesn't have done a lot. War of the Roses, which I've seen once. Hoffa, I haven't seen. But I absolutely, absolutely love, and I will go to bat for this movie, Death to Smoochie. I will go to oh, bat yeah. for that Oh, yeah. I like Death to Smoochie. I think it's such an underrated satirical I remember com- like, I think just a comedy whenever people would re- when I first was like getting super into movies like as a kid you know how like as a kid you're like I'm gonna start paying attention to like the Oscars and shit like that and like yeah. learn who good directors are and stuff Death to Smoochie was always like the example of black comedies 
that people would reference, at least like in that time period. Yes. Because I was probably in like eighth grade when that shit came out. So it's like, I don't. And that's when I was like, I'm going to get I'm going to start like learning about movies and stuff. I don't know why. I just liked that. And yeah, I'm with you. That's it. I think it's uh, everybody it go watch the Death shit to out of me when I first watched it. Death to Smoochie yeah, did? Yeah, because I was like, probably like 13 or 14 or something. <laughs> I was like, this is creepy. They're like murdering I love, people. I have to rewatch it. Oh, uh, I own it. I love it. I think Robin Williams is brilliant in it. He's so, like, especially when his character gets sad and vulnerable. It's so funny. Edward Norton is, I think, perfect in it. It's like what, it's like Edward Norton not being... There's an element of Edward Norton I love, but then it can, it, if it's misused, it feels too weighty, if that makes sense. Like yeah. in his incredible, his incredible Hulk, he's right with his choices, but he goes so far that it just, it loses the fun of Hulk. It's just yeah. so weighted down with like, he's so like, oh, sad. Yeah. And you're like, ah, you're not doing bad. It's just, that happens with Batman the- a lot too, I think. Like people, yes. like, you know, there was just a time period where it was like, these have to be depressing. It, it was like a pendulum swing away from like Batman and Robin and shit like that, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, I agree with that. And then it has one of my favorite actors of all time who I've always contemplated writing a letter to, Catherine Keener. I love she's Catherine awesome. Keener. Highly underrated in my mind, even though she's been nominated for two Oscars. I met her uh, when <laughs> I was working at the vet. She would bring in her dog. <laughs> For like cancer, I was working at this like cancer vet. It was very wow. sad, a depressing job. And she would come in. Her dog had cancer and would come in, and it would sad. Yeah, it, I mean, she was a very nice person, and so was her. That's all I wanted to hear. Yeah, she was like <laughs> super nice, like probably one of the nicest celebrities that walked in there. Wonderful. Yeah, I love hearing that. Yeah, that is great. That's great. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I'll pass your letter along. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, uh, what a weirdo I am. No, I don't think that's her. I think it's like, you know, when you you just grow up watching somebody and are inspired by their work, it's like hard not to feel an emotional connection to if an actor's doing their job, you feel like you do know that person a little bit. And it's yeah, I I I completely understand that feeling. I think a lot of people would relate to that. A feeling like a connection with an actor like that, especially somebody who's super into movies or somebody who, like you, acts themselves. You just like admire a person's work so much. You want to be like, I fucking love you. Like if it's like in sports, like you buy a jersey of the person that you love that does it, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're very a fan. true. You're a fan. I'm a huge fan of Catherine Keener. She's awesome. God damn it. She's awesome. She's amazing. And a nice person. Uh, Good to hear. <laughs> I here's another tangent we can go on before we get to the yeah, weird tales. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going around. Let's cast if we let's who would we, we cast? Catherine Keener, Edward Norton, Danny DeVio, and if still alive, Robin Williams in the world of Hellboy. And who Hellboy? would we cast them? Yeah, could we ca- could we find a place for them at all? I, I mean, immediately yeah. I'm saying Danny DeVio. Danny DeVio is Igor Bromhead, right? Yeah, I think he would be he I mean, he's such a great penguin. Like, I think he's like a really good villain. Uh, Yeah, I think that would totally work. (laughs) Catherine Keener could be I feel like, you know, let's we'll jump around in time, right? Like she could be could be like a younger Catherine Keener or something. 
Or are yeah. you thinking contemporary version? I mean, you can't. You have, could be. You can't have yeah, a contemporary can... Robin Williams, I guess. <laughs> no, no, you can't. I think. I think you can. I think you could jump around any era. I think <laughs> Robin Williams would have been a good if if it was younger him a good like Roger like somebody who's like uh, nuanced. Wow. Either Roger or. Um, yeah, I mean, that was the first thing that popped into my head, him playing Roger. Interesting. What were you thinking? I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it. I just didn't think of him as a Roger just because of his build. Yeah, he's like, definitely not, like, buff enough or whatever, but I guess uh, I think he could bring some emotional nuance to that character. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who. I mean, I don't know if they... I, 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 uh, now I'm having a hard time thinking who I would. I'm the one that set us up for this, and I'm failing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Edward Norton to me would be, I think, an Abe Sabian. I was thinking that too. I was like, I think he would do a good job. Yeah, a younger version of him. Yeah, yeah. That's. How, I don't know if I would put him anywhere else. Yeah, I, I don't know unless he's like a. Yeah, I think of all of the characters, that's what pops up for me first. Unless he's like some other, like some non BPR deep character or something but but i could see if you were to like put edward norton in a storyline that followed sort of his discovery of himself like we've been reading in the in the bprd comics yeah i think edward norton would could do that justice yeah and it's a little melancholy like like we were talking about his version of hulk like i think he can't that's certainly within his range to do yeah definitely his wheelhouse and strength oh yeah I agree with that. Catherine Keener is cool. Like she could be a cool Liz, but she's also like funny. Like if she, I mean, I don't think I would cast her as Kate Corrigan. But, but I think she's a, I think she that she's a better it. Kate. She probably, I think she's, she probably is like, yeah, yeah. Like personality wise. I think just like the look, you know, if I'm a casting agent, she just doesn't have the look. Yeah. She'd have to have a full like hair different hair and yeah. everything and i just don't know if Catherine keener would look good with within the kate look so yeah it's unfortunate that she has does have the personality strengths to play a great kate but i just she doesn't have the look she's unfortunately i think if Catherine we're going keener, super if we're trying to be super uh like i don't even know a lot of superhero movies stray away from the look of the person of the character true. you know Here's here's my here's what I would say if I was gonna if I was an actually caster or something and and if I had a script that had this character predominantly in it maybe um, I could see Catherine Keener being a very strong version of a Tom Manning oh, change okay. the change the gender make gender it gender swap make it Kath you're trying yeah, you're trying to make people angry about this movie <laughs> go ahead uh, but I think I just think she has she could be a hard ass. A hard ass and like I'm doing, yeah. I just think she would bring the gravity and like the where she has a heart for her employees, but then she knows, hey, I got to get the job done. I just think she would bring great, be a t great Tom Manning to that. Dude, have you ever seen an American Crime with her in it? The, is that with what's her name in Ellen it from uh, Juno? Yeah, yeah. I never saw it. I it just know she was like a, a terrible mother. Nightmare, dude. It is. <laughs> One of the most depressing movies I have ever seen. It made me wow. so sad when I, I was like, it was hard to watch because she's like an abusive, alcoholic, like crazy mom. <laughs> wow. It's like rough. It's rough. And it's based Yikes. on a true story, too, which like 
it'll keep you up at night. So, uh, you know, be in the right headspace if you if you ever want to watch that movie or just don't. <laughs> it's a, it's so sad. It's so sad. That's it. Maybe one day. Yeah. Maybe one maybe, day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Well, that was that's that was a fun tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I was moving all my old wizard magazines and they used to do that. They used to have like cast this movie in the back. Yes, of I remember those. Yeah. So it's it's fun. I like doing that. It is very fun. With that tangent now aside. <laughs> uh Let's move on to these weird tales. Woo! Yeah, the first one we were looking at was Theater of the Dead. And it's written by Jim Pasco and Tom Fassbender. And illustrated by Simeon Wilkins. Colored by David Self. Lettered by Anna, Par- oh, excuse me, Annie Parkhouse. Edited by Scott Alley. And it was published February 11th, 2004. In Hellboy Weird Tales number seven. And it's uh, it's funny. It's like, I mean, they're all like kind of funny. They're all like trying to like do almost like quick in jokes about Hellboy. Like they have the first panel, Hellboy throwing back his right hand of doom for a big punch on a guy in a robot suit with a big swastika <laughs> on the front. And uh, Abe is by his side shooting the head off of another Nazi, like, full-on yeah. robot. So it's, like, it's a very big, like, nod to the content of, like, early Hellboy stuff. Um, yes. Yeah. And the villain is doing, like, a, like an ornate monologue sort of a thing. Like, I will not be defeated by so easily Hellboy. This is not the end. And is, like, crushed immediately. Like, they kick his ass. That ended fairly easily. You know, like, there's, like, fun jokes in there. Then as Abe and Hellboy are walking, they're sort of like, man, Nazis, World War II is over. They got to go away, which is fun. But they're sort of just, like, talking with each other about, like, I wish some other kind of thing would come along. And, like, as soon as they say that, a crowd of people runs by terrified. Hellboy says, what's going on? Some crazy man. He's shooting up the town with a machine gun. Which we all know now is, like, all too fucking real. And, like, in 2004, it wasn't, like, unheard of. But so it's kind of like a weird tone thing, I guess. Like, with, you know, modern eyes looking at it. Yeah. Hellboy's response is, like, this is just the kind of non-Nazi nasty that I needed. Where can we find this guy? Like, and he's, like, (laughs) smiling and cracking his knuckles like he's just going to punch someone. Like, there wouldn't already be, like... (laughs) scores of casualties all over the place like (laughs) yeah there's literally they follow a trail of spent shells silly yeah insane (laughs) abe's like uh, yeah finding him won't be the problem they follow it into a theater just like i mean thousands they're just it's like a full breadcrumb trail of shells that they're following here when they get into the theater they see the guy like kind of like pull aside the curtain and start with a tommy gun start like blasting at them and they hide behind some seats. And when he ca- when the like shooter pops out, he's headless already. So it's like, oh, okay, this is some nonsense. Zombie orchestra comes out at that point. Somebody stabs Hellboy with a violin bow and it snaps. And he says, ah, ow. <laughs> Abe's like, it's, I, it's I'll be honest, crazy. that moment I was very confused. Yeah. Because it, he hit him. 
he it's like a hit, but then it went in his chest, and I was like, I couldn't tell if it was stabbing him because he doesn't pull it out. He do, it doesn't, he doesn't have a the, wound or, later either. Or is it just supposed to be hitting his chest and snapping? It, it was a little unclear oh, for me. Oh, I bet that's it. I bet I bet he hits him really hard with it and it snaps. But I think that the so this is. Like my only and it's not even necessarily a complaint because I think there are a lot of fun panels, but this is definitely the least like 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 there are certain little things about it that I'm like, I would have corrected the look of this as a drawing. Like I think um, action wise, like for this thing to be snapping against his chest because it's Hellboy and his chest is so hard and muscular, you would want this the bow to snap the other way if that makes yeah, sense. yeah that makes sense um, yeah and then it would it would give the appearance that it's not it's not stabbing it's just bent it's bent back yeah, yes i agree 100 percent. you want to make the force yeah like the the origin of the force and like where it's stopping it's just like physics like you want to show how the physics of the objects you're drawing is working and it just because like subtly you know subconsciously people looking at it even if they're not like trained artists like like we look at it we both looked at it and we we're like this is a little confusing. Like this image visually yeah. is a little confusing. So like, and it takes you out of it. So it's like an important thing I think to look at in comics, which I think this comic does really well in a lot of places, but not like everywhere. Yes. Uh, Abe is like getting like a guy swinging a tuba at Abe and he's saying normal enough for you. Like here, this makes sense. Like you have the tuba being swung past Abe. There's like, distinct action lines and you kind of see like the end of the motion i think that's sort of like a i think we talked about this like months ago where like marvel released this like how to draw comics thing in the 90s that i had Mm -hmm. that was like if you're showing action if you're showing like a fist punching a face you don't want to show the moment of impact like you don't want to show the fist physically touching the face you want to show the fist going past the face and the face like being turned from the impact of the punch. So it has just like more impact, like visually it just makes sense to you to see like the second after or like the half second after the action. So that yeah, is just I, like a better, it, like the fundamentals of that are a little bit better. I think. I think you're spot on because in that whole panel, you're seeing a lot of the after even within the background in that one panel, Hellboy yeah, he punches a head off of somebody. Off. Yeah. <laughs> And that to me is the it's the very final action. You you very are clear that like oh he uppercutted him yeah versus there's you no confusion. Understand yeah because like the motion itself is so fast that if you were like registering it in your brain happening like in real time in front of you like a physical thing happening to you you like your eye and your brain registers it after it's happened because it's not like you don't like visually remember that impact like that moment of impact as much as like right after, I guess I'm sure there's like a lot of reasons why it like it's just more effective. But um, I just remember learning that and being that sticking with me so much because you just see it in so many comics. And so they're just beating the shit out of these zombie orchestra guys. <laughs> <laughs> they continue to do that. They follow this huge trail of spent shells of Tommy gun shells, like, down into this trap door uh to a huge like double door like wooden uh cavernous uh kind of castle looking door when they open the door they see of course there's some people down there mid ritual <laughs> they've got like you know 
some sort of like salt or chalk or some sort of like symbol drawn on the on the ground. And it's an interesting crew. You've got like a cigar chomping gangster. You've got a like distinguished taller gangster with like a like a flower in his pocket in his like <clears throat> jacket pocket. You've got a huge gorilla with a suit on, like an enormous gorilla with a suit on, and the headless shooter gathered around a table with a violin case on it. Um, I I do like this, like this little bit of dialogue where, like, as they're following the trail, Abe and Hellboy are, like, discussing what these guys want. Abe, he's a gangster. Gangsters are all about gambling, prostitution, Jewel heists. So then when they bust into this room, Hellboy points at them and goes, all right, what are you boys into? Gambling, prostitution, jewel heists. Like, just it's silly. Yeah, it's very silly. Like an immediate callback to him saying that. <laughs> and, you know, you get a kind of classic gangster dialogue out of this uh, cigar chomping guy. It's curtains for you, too. It's theater and a whole damn place. And like... <laughs> You know, they're doing some sort of ritual with this head. Boys, get him. Two gorillas jump out at Abe and Hellboy and just they start beating the shit out of these gorillas. One of the gorillas throws the head and we hear the one bad guy say, you ignoramus, the head is the key. So, you know, something's up with the head. And then Hellboy, uh, Abe tosses the head to Hellboy. Hellboy tosses the head back to the headless shooter who then, I guess, like, regains his, like, autonomy and and is, like, in control of his body again and starts, like, blasting the (laughs) gangsters with his Tommy gun. And as they lay dying and the Tommy gun's, like, still smoking, crazy gangsters always trying to invoke my vengeful spirit. What I wouldn't give for a simple row with some kraut scum like back in the Great War. And (laughs) Abe's like, well, (laughs) at least he realizes it's over. Oh, it's over, all right. I guess, like, referencing back to the fact that, like, these world wars are over and Nazis should go Yeah. So, yeah, it's sort of, like, it's a little, like, scattered and all over the place because it kind of doesn't have to be anything more than that, I guess. But, like, reading this, I was like, this one's a little, like, it makes me think of, like, when you're, not to, like, diminish these guys, like, I'm sure they're, like, awesome professional writers, and this is, like, a really weird, small amount of time that you have to write a story but this one seemed so like off the top of the head like first draft maybe to a degree yeah i I don't want to be like too critical of it because it's still like a competent comic book and it still is like it was still fun to read and there was a lot of like you know there's like tommy guns blasting and heads getting punched off and stuff but i think i agree with you like the whole thing has elements of where i'm like that's really fun yeah and then the elements that make me go like that could have been worked on or refined a little bit better yeah but it's also you know maybe they didn't have a ton of time or like whatever for sure yeah because i think it starts strong it sets up a clear thing of what he wants but then we sort of like it just it's sort of just Result. It, it's just it rushes. I mean, I get, I get they're limited to pages, but they seem to rush to the next page I really think they quick. Like, they like wanted to get the joke in so much of Hellboy's tired of fighting the same old Nazis or something. Um, uh-huh. But I don't think it's so strong. Like if you're reading Hellboy up to 2004, you know that there is a good variety of stuff. Like he does fight a lot of Nazis, sure. Right. But like there are other stories at this point, and it's like it's kind of like. Okay, well, this joke doesn't like super work at this point anymore because he's like deviated from that stuff and he fights other stuff fairly frequently now. Like, and and the BPRD fights different shit all the time. So it's like, 
maybe not maybe like that joke at the beginning wasn't quite worth the amount of time they spend on it which is only like a page but it's like when you're only when you're writing a story that's only like seven or eight pages long that's a one eighth of your story i don't know yeah i think i'm with you on that and you you sort of just wish they would have just bumped into another adventure and it didn't have to have a callback yeah because it does it does feel a little forced well enough you could like abe or hellboy right at the top could just say something like that where it's like yeah, you know what? I could I could use a palate cleanser and not fight a Nazi for one day of the week or something like that. I think you could say it all in one panel rather than a full page and save yourself that time and, and just get right to it. And it like just doesn't. Yeah, it, it, I think uh, live in this weird gangster world then, you know? Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And then another little like small thing that similar to. This is an image thing uh, similar to that frame that really made us confused about the the bow snapping on Hellboy. One of the other ones that really drove me nuts and had me like have to stop and pull out of the uh, pull out of the story and look at it again. Yeah. Was on the in the on the page where we are introduced to the gangsters. So the framing is that you when you first look at this panel, you see the the cigar smoker, the the aristocrat gangster, and then a gorilla. Then you keep reading, and they're only featured in the second panel. There's three of them in the second panel, right? Of him yelling at them. Then it's the gang. It's like the gangster. But then there's two gorillas that jump at the end. Dude, if you look and I was like, very closely at the top left corner, there's a little sneaky hidden gorilla. And it fucking to me. I hate saying this, but I was like, that that made me go, wait, where is that second grill? And I had to go <laughs> yeah. back to that fucking panel and be like, and I, I and I, I hate to talk shit because I'm not an artist myself, but it feels like when I look at the rest of the panel, I'm like, well, the right. rest of the panel is so well balanced. It feels like they just snuck in this second gorilla last minute. I could see that. And I and it feels so janky and off yeah, balance. Yeah. And I'm like, uh unlike Mignola, who's like known to tell us that he'll like scrap a whole issue and then restart again. Mignola's compositions are just like so masterful and you really do appreciate them so much when comparing them to other people. It's like not easy to do. It's not easy to fit all this bullshit into one panel. Like even this big panel, it's like almost half the page, this one panel, but you Mm -hmm. have to convey a ton of information in that one square. It's hard to fucking do. And, Mignola doing it so well and like to the degree where you don't even think about it you just like you just read you're just like so engrossed in the story because his compositions are just so tight and so like just convey the information in such a clear way and you know it's and it's aesthetically it that's like part of what makes it aesthetically pleasing I think it's like organized in your brain and you can take it in really fast and I think that the pace of these relies on you being able to take in that information fast and go from panel to panel and not have to jump back unless you're like, that's so sick. I want to look at it some more. Like this one required you to look, go back and be like, where's the second gorilla? Like that's, I'm sure when they were writing it, they didn't want to be like, and then they'll be like a sneaky little gorilla too. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. It throws off the pacing when, when you're distracted by something like that, I think. It really does. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate because it could just be a simple, fun story. Um, it which almost, it, for the most part it, it almost is. is. Yeah. I think it's like almost there, but it's like, I don't know. I feel like a college professor or some shit being like, <laughs> these are the changes I want to see. Giving notes to like professionals who were like, 
you know, called well, on. I mean, yeah. But that's our our that's what we're doing. We're yeah. we're we're analyzing this stuff and praising it. And yeah, then if we're saying but, all you know, of this, acknowledging the fact that we don't know shit and that <laughs> you know, I think is, we we know a little. Well, at this uh, point, we know. Yeah, we know a bit about the world and stuff. Well, I, I I do have to give a shout out though for the artist Simon Wilkins. I mean, he's he has done other comic books. Yeah. I don't I'm not familiar with his stuff, but he's primarily a storyboard artist. He did oh, cool. his uh, uh, according to IMDb his original his first storyboard job was on the first Hellboy movie. Oh cool. So he's he probably just was like I want to write a comic, you know what I mean? He got to work in that realm and then they're like let's give him a little comic book. Nice. You know what I mean? And he probably worked with these two writers. He's gone on he continues to work. One of his other cool I mean he has plenty here I could rattle off, but the ones that really stand out are he was the storyboard artist for Cabin in the Woods. Wow. He yeah. And then he was the storyboard artist for Power the Power Rangers movie, Fate of the Furious. And his <laughs> big his really big ones recently is like Black Panther. He did storyboard artist for Black Panther movie. Awesome. Shazam. Um he did Pokemon Detective Pikachu. I know you love that. I do love Detective Pikachu. <laughs> It's cute Birds as hell. Of, yeah, there you go. Birds of Prey, the Harley Quinn, you know. The, I mean, the, so, you know, this guy's got it figured out and me criticizing him, you know. Yeah, but I think have story, a ton of weight. storyboard is a whole other, like we could it's do a, a whole fucking. skill set. Yeah, we could do a whole podcast on just storyboard art and how it goes from like the artist depicting something then that from storyboard to film. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It's a different art. And I bet you he he's fast. I bet he rattles off storyboards totally. that are coherent so quickly. Yeah. And I just think that in comparison to a comic, they're two different art forms. Totally. So, so you got to give him credit for that stuff. Oh yeah. But great. And then, our, I mean, these writers I was looking up just to give sort of an understanding of like where they come from. Jim Pascal is, you know, he's known for Cottons, which is um, a graphic novel. I've, this is just things that I think I would be curious to look up. The first book in that trilogy is called The Secret of the Wind. He also, his credits include Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He wrote for Hellboy, the animated, animated the original series, Undertown. And, he, and, you know, he has several other stuff. He has some crime fiction novel called By the Balls, a bowling alley murder mystery <laughs> that he he wrote with also Tom Fassbender. That's funny. And it was illustrated by Paul Pope. Stupid. I'm a fan of Paul Pope. So Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they, they have their stuff just because this is them just taking a crack at this. Right, it's not right. Like, They're just like, this sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. This isn't their, like, opus, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there's, it's a, they are a, they are all accomplished. You know, we just have the opportunity of loving Mignola, and they're having to be judged by that. Right. That standard. It's a high bar. <laughs> yeah, and then Tom Fassbender, he, you know, he's out there. He's working. I, don't I just have hate a lot to, like, things. shit on any artist that's actually out there doing it. It's like, you're just doing it. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean... But Criticism we're, we're is entitled part of the to world. Our opinions too. I don't know. I, I'm so torn. Yeah, I, I don't think we're saying. F- I don't think we've ever said fuck this guy. They <laughs> yeah. shouldn't be working. Right. right. <laughs> Take the food out of this guy's family's mouths. Uh, I feel bad because I was trying to look up Tom Fassbender to find him more of his credits, and his website is very just basic, and I can't find like just stuff to look up. I have uh, to dig deeper when it's not. You know. Yeah. Well, after the after recording, blah blah blah. Sure. Hey, listeners, if you have any Tom Fassbender stuff that we should read, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah. The next one we looked at was Toy Soldier. 
I gotta say, going in, I was like, I don't know. And then I found this one very fun. It was really fun. I, I like this. Um, it has more of like, and I say like anime rather than manga style, because it makes me think of, it just makes me like, I, I feel like I haven't really seen this. Like, it doesn't have a lot of the things in manga that I associate with manga. Like, it, the, the like action lines are different and stuff like that. Like, I think like, I mean, it has like some little things here and there, but... It looks more like it's less like cross hatching, which I think makes me think more of like an actual animated Japanese cartoon rather than like a comic, a drawn comic, uh, Japanese comic. Yeah, I think it's I think it's manga, but it appears I think I'm with you. It doesn't appear to be like the the most traditional version of manga that yeah. I, my brain goes I to. I, yeah, I also just don't have a super like I I've read like some, but I'm not like such an expert that I would like be able to say, oh, this is evocative of the these other books. If anybody's like super into manga and has like suggestions based off of this style, like this makes me think of something else. Like, let me know. But um nothing's like super jumping out to me. The only thing like I don't know. It's almost like it's like a mix of Japanese style and like almost like McFarlane to me. Like it's kind of like it's it's hard. I, I, I'm not I'm not like describing it well. But I, I do like it. I think aesthetically I think it looks really cool and it's cool to take such a big um like stylistic swing away from Mignola to like a really distinct one like we've had several of those at this point like some look like it's like children's book illustrators and shit like that but like it's cool to see this one because I just like think that style is cool yeah I think it is always cool when we get an artist who's less trying to to in their own style, weirdly pivot to honor Mignola yeah. and one that just fully embraces the character and makes it that and puts it right into their style without question. Oh, and I should say, okay, so I should say who was written and illustrated by too. Okay, so written by Akira Yoshida and Kia Asim Asamiya. Excuse me. Asamiya. Yeah. Kia Asamiya, also illustrated by Kia Asamiya, uh, colored by Dave Stewart. Lettered by Clem Robbins, and it was published April 14th, 2004 in Hellboy Weird Tales number eight. And yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like, and it gets right to it, too. Like, I like that sense of it, too, where you just see like Hellboy sort of like taking something in, like he's thinking about something. His like hand expression is fun. Where he's yeah. just sort of like, he's like kind of scratching his face with his thumb. Toys? Toys. These ghosts are after your toys. Like, you know, so you get the sense he's in this like huge boardroom of this giant toy company, like a clearly very successful Japanese toy company that has like just dudes in business suits, like uh, in like this very like sleek, expensive looking room. Yeah. So he kind of talks with them about how like, yeah, these kids. Well, is this character in anything else? Like, like so the businessmen are explaining that the toys are what these ghosts are after. And then Hellboy hears the voice of somebody and he turns to them, Sasaki-san. And it's this guy who's like fully like Ronin kind of looking dude, like who like shows up and starts explaining more. Is he like in anything else? Like, do you recognize this character? I don't know. I mean, I'm only being a, a white a white boy thinking immediately Raiden from Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah. Like, and, he definitely and the look. and the three villains from uh, Big Trouble in Little China. So. I'm very the wrong person to ask because I'm not very familiar with all like the manga characters. All of yeah, it's all of us like 
Oh, oh, uh, not even like other. I, I mean, like within Hellboy, is this a character? Because I don't recognize this character as like. A I monster. don't think so. It seems like they're just within this story creating that there's a relationship there, which I think is nice. It was really for something strong short. because that's when I think that's what made me think. I was like, oh, he's like so familiar with this guy. Maybe he met him at some point, and I just like missed the comic. Um, I haven't seen you since the Kappa kidnapping in Kobe. <laughs> How the heck? And so they like sort of get reacquainted and Sasaki tells him like, yeah, these were kids when they, like they were kids when they were killed. And now they're their spirits. You know, every ghost wants to fulfill something and there's like they just want to play with toys. Where would you go? So they go to the factory together. They see these broken toys like lying on the ground. You see like a, a broken sort of like like gung like Gundam, I guess, and then like a broken Godzilla figure and a broken basically like Sailor Moon figure. Hellboy does like he does they they throw in a couple horror movie references. The first one is the poltergeist references wh- where he like pulls open the door and Hellboy goes, "They're here." And then you see the three kids ghosts on top of these boxes of toys. And they're sort of like having fun. They're like, "Look, a new one. Maybe he won't break." Finally, something sturdy we can play with. Let me go first. And then the kid like transforms into a like huge spectral version of the Gundam that we saw smashed outside. And he's like kind of tossing Hellboy around the factory a little bit. The second kid turns into a Godzilla basically and starts blasting Hellboy with this energy from his mouth. Uh, The last one turns into Sailor Sunshine. Instead of Sailor Moon, but you get the gist. <laughs> Basically, it looks exactly like Sailor Moon. <laughs> and she, like, blasts Hellboy with some energy. Hellboy does a nice one-liner of, like, it's past your bedtime. Lights out for you, kids. It starts punching all these kids, these ghost kids in the face in their, like, monster forms. Knocks them all out. And then you hear the kids, the ghost kids, we lost again. And they're just, like, you just find out they're sad and their unfinished business is we never get to win. Like, we're fucking losers at everything, and that's all we want to do. <laughs> and Hellboy's like, oh, okay, you ever play rock, paper, scissors? And then real quick, one after the other, he's like, you win, you win, you win. Which is really, I think, like, a very funny, quick exchange between the kids and Hellboy. And, like, after that, they're all like, yeah, we did it. All right, we finally won something. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> and they, like, float away. <laughs> and Hellboy just, like, smiles and walks off and just sort of wraps it up with his friend. He's like, they're gone. They're gone. So how'd you do it? Child's Play. Which I guess isn't a direct reference to, like, the movie Child's Play, but it's just, like, his words on top of, yeah. on top of an, a, another reference to, like, an 80s horror movie just makes me think, like, that's maybe that's probably intentional like they're they're like fans of horror too and like wanted to insert that or something yeah or it's just a turn of phrase that's right, unfortunate that it's phrase, a, right? it's a, it's associated with that movie so much yeah um i, I think yeah, i don't I, think it's like he's referencing like chucky or something but it's like i think it like still ha- I, I, for me anyway i had it in my head already just because of their reference to poltergeist too i was like well maybe they're trying to like insert horror stuff in here in like little tiny ways I don't know. Right. But I liked it. I liked this story a lot. I, yeah. I do think the weakest is that final line. It's a little cheesy for my yeah, taste. Yeah, it's a but... little corny. Because <laughs> the rest of it's pretty good. It's like pretty, I mean, it's like slightly elevated comic book language, but it's like fairly conversational. And like, I, I just love these images of, you know, Hellboy grimacing 
getting beat up, like getting thrown around the boxes of toys. I think that looks really great. I just yeah. like the, ex- the facial expressions that they give to Hellboy throughout this are really great. I'm with you. Um, and I just think it's a smart way to incorporate these iconic, like other Japanese staples yeah. without saying they exist in Hellboy's world. They're yeah. just saying, oh, just like ours, they're 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 toys, they're they're creative properties, and these ghosts, which we know exist in the Hellboy world, are just trying to pl- are playing with them. I think that's a great, yeah, it's like a fun, fun way to incorporate that. Totally, it's like a sophisticated way to be like, we want to see Hellboy fight a Gundam and Godzilla. How can we make that happen? And it's like worked in pretty well into like you know their justification for it. I think it earns that fight. It earns Hellboy punching Godzilla in the face. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's cool. And golly, Dave Stewart just proves once again and Clem Robbins that they can just elevate every everything that they touch, especially Dave Stewart. I mean, these colors are so awesome, and it's not yeah. Mignola. I love his blues, the blues that he uses for the ghost children and their their forms that they take are so, is so cool and distinct against... Hellboy's red in this. Totally. And I like their Hellboy. I like the Hellboy that has like a sharper nose and everything in this. Yeah, I think yeah. It's I think really he looks cool. really cool, yeah. And I love his... the One of my favorite panels is on the second page where him and uh, uh, Sa- uh, Sasaki-san are like at the table talking and he and Hellboy's leaning in with his right hand of doom yeah. on the table. I think that, that... I love that panel and it just makes him very... It's like we 100% recognizable. We know the Hellboy character, but this is fully him living in their style in this world. Yeah. I think they did. They have such good execution of like his body movements, his like body language and and poses and everything feel very natural. And like, yeah, you feel like the weight of this guy. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. A hundred percent. And really I love cool. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this one, and I love there's a, one panel on the panel where he finally fights back. Yeah. After he says "lights out for you kids," that panel of after he hits the sailor, the sailor moon angel, that panel of him quickly looking up before he jumps towards the the Godzilla kaiju. Yeah. Kaiju. Um. I love. I mean, I love that look. It's cool. I think. That- that dynamic and it has that one simple line to one give the little action. action line yeah and it, it's uh, so effective that and i love i love any artist that's willing to like display his hooves which they do throughout this totally and then i just love i absolutely love that three panel sequence of him playing rock paper scissors with yeah them. i think really that's good i think it's so fun and simple and great <laughs> uh, you want to know something crazy when I was looking at the, the information on these writers? So <laughs> apparently Akira Yoshida, Yoshida, the second name on yeah. the art and story, is a pseudonym, which apparently was probably controversial at some point because it's literally a white Polish man. Oh, who's my now like, God. He is a Marvel Comics editor in chief. He had a statement after it. This is what he has to say about this, because this is crazy. About that he was picking under- that name yeah yeah this is what it says he had to address it i don't know where this is coming from but he says i stopped writing under the pseudonym akira yoshida after about a year it wasn't transparent but it taught me a lot about writing communication and pressure i was young and naive and had to learn a lot back then but this was all old news that has been dealt with and now as marvel's new editor-in-chief 
I'm turning no a new way. page. And I'm excited to start sharing all my Marvel experiences with up and coming talent about the globe. So yeah, his I'm glad name he stopped. That's no shit. pretty crazy, dude. Wild. It is actually um, C B Subelski, if I'm pronouncing that right, <laughs> Chester B. Subelski. Holy An American shit. writer and editor for Marvel Comics, known for his work such as Marvel Fairy Tales. So like 2005, he stopped doing that or something like that. I guess um, he would have. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to look up the full history. That makes sense because it feels like such a hybrid style. Like it feels like it doesn't totally feel like a manga style. Yeah. Wow, that's wild. <sighs> yeah, I mean, yeah. As of November 2017, that's when he 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 holds the position of editor in chief. So, but I didn't know that until I was like, I tried to find this guy. And I was like, why can't? And then I was like, wait a second, it's this guy's pseudonym. It's kind of fucked up. It's very fucked up. I think that's why he had to address it. Yeah. <laughs> like, because people are like, what the fuck? Especially right now. It's like, I mean, yeah, if come this on. shit happened right now, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think people. No, would be no, no one would stand pissed. for that. I mean, it, luckily he's addressed or he'd be part of that Asian AF t shirt that they have. <laughs> Of all the people that have played like Asian characters, even though they're fucking white, it's like yikes. They I mean, were that still, is. I mean, do you remember that Dragon Ball movie that came out with like all white people? Were they the voices? It was like mean? 2009. No, it was a live action. Dragon oh yes, Ball movie. yes. I don't never saw it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like that shit was rampant. Yeah, Asian people, Asian people still are getting disrespected in a big. way. I mean, way. God damn it. Catherine Hepburn played Japanese back in the day. It's fucked up. <laughs> I mean, like, not even that long ago. Like, that t-shirt that you're talking about, that's like, those are recent fucking movies. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what's her name played? Uh, Emma fucking, what's her name from La La Land? She was like oh, cast Emma Stone, as, yeah. Emma Stone played in fucking in the movie. Hawaii, Aloha? Oh, yeah, or whatever. A fucking yeah. supposed to be, like, Asian. And you're like, are we dumb yeah <laughs> yeah we are well you know <laughs> we are tv executive or like movie executives are so insane You're just like no white audiences like white people which is not wrong but like i think that white audiences would also like like yeah. clearly other movies are doing well like i don't know that's why yes. it was so fucking cool for parasite to win it's like just to show you that there is a huge audience for international films. Like it doesn't always have to be an American director or American faces. Like, Amer I mean, American faces, I should say like white faces. Cause obviously yeah. there are as, you know, as many like people working who are like, whatever, like their ethnicity or is not white, but they're obviously still American. I don't totally. know. Totally. That shit's pretty no. fucked up. It's <laughs> fucked up. Thank God he, thank God he had to, he stopped using it and, 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 and properly addressed it. Yeah, that's crazy. So, Jesus. Crazy. But um, the other writer, Kia Asamiya, he is actually, he's not a suit. That is not a pseudonym. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> you could check out, you could check out other works of his. I, I would like to see a little more of his. And he has worked with Akira, which is, or, or uh, Sabelski before. I, I don't know a lot of his work. I, I mean, I'm just... One that stood out apparently is Dark Angel from the 90s, Steam Detectives. He has earlier stuff than that Gunhead. He actually did the adaptation of The Phantom Menace <laughs> comic book in 1999, adaption oh. of the film. I'd love to check that out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot we could definitely check out of his that's out there. So very cool stuff. I'm, I'm a big fan of this story. I think they did a great job with this one. Yeah. For something. That, again, it, it's just like what I would want. 
It's the ideal version of a weird tale with Hellboy for me, where they just went for it. They swung for the fences and had fun with it. Yeah, I really did think it was like, just cool. Just uh, like, it's just a good example of how you can jump right into the story. They're like already there. They've done a lot of the exposition. Like you don't have to see how Hellboy gets there or whatever. You know, they jump right in, which a lot of them do. But I think this one does it well. Yeah, I think this one is very smart and economic and uses the limitation of pages very well. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our our last story, which I think is I'm I'm a fan of this one, too. I like this one, too. Yeah. (laughs) Professional help. Yeah. Um, yeah, Professional Help. So Professional Help was written by Evan Dorkin and illustrated by Evan Dorkin, colored by Sarah Dyer, and it was published in uh, on April 14th, 2004 in Hellboy Weird Tales number eight. Yeah, it's just a story about like Roger going to, it starts off Roger's talking to a therapist who he kind of explains like was referred to him because she works with people who have like difficult jobs, like cops and stuff. She she calls, she says, okay, so you work for an organization called the BRP, the BRPD? That's BPRD, which made me kind of laugh just thinking about like <laughs> us saying it sometimes. I've messed it up so many times just <laughs> trying to rattle it off. But that's also it's, like it's like a little sort of um, foreshadowing for this character. Um, and I used to always say, Kate, I always mess up when when I would tell people about UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade. Yeah. There's so many times I would say USB and people like, what the fuck are you saying? USB. Like, oh. <laughs> it's hard, man. It's hard. Because people don't remember that shit either. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so this doctor does it too. And like, it's just Roger sort of talking about, he like tells the story of going with this other BPRD agent who was this guy, Agent Izzy Kemper, a cult expert and linguist, also a mind reader. But then they show like a fun example of him messing up because the weather's bad. He like (laughs) guesses the wrong card and... God damn snow, which I thought was like a fun detail to throw in. I do think that's a fun detail because weather is so, it's unpredictable. And I love the idea that it has to be perfect weather for his powers to work. Yeah. And it's like, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like investigating. It's like just a fun story with like cool visuals and stuff. They're investigating a church burning, which was like, this was like real shit that black metal bands were doing. And yeah, that like, how do they phrase it? Neo-pagan nationalist black metal underground. And um, this woman was found, but her body wasn't burnt. It was like destroyed by some acidic compound or some shit. It was like acid, (laughs) acid substance. And she burned down the church because she was like a follower of this crazy band. And you see like this like psycho looking picture of the leader, Deirdrick Billerbeck, (laughs) a.k.a. Morthvagar, Morthvargar. AKA the chieftain. Like, I love all this yeah, detail. So fun. So like, yeah, this uh, nationalist black metal band, they try to ask around. Uh, Izzy couldn't get anything on uh, Diedrich or the girl from the local metal kids. And you just see the kid walking away, giving them both the finger. <laughs> yeah. So it's, there's almost like a Daria esque sort of style to the drawings here that I, that I'm picking up, but um, you know, maybe well, that's just I, in my head. I normally save this for the end uh, because I, I, but the guy that Evan Dorkin is, you've referenced other people being similar to this guy, but Evan Dorkin is the man behind milk and cheese. And this is it. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> and, and his wife 
who is the other creator. I guess I've never seen him draw, like, a ton of humans. (laughs) 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 But his wife is the other artist. Cool. And the colors and stuff is Sarah Dyer, who also won a a Lulu Award for her book called Action Girl uh, back in 1998. So there's a lot of... This is a cool team. I just want to... I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of this story, but I just wanted to be like, man, I love that this is... Like, you have... Constantly said like, well, this story reminds me of this, That's so and now funny we're literally the dude. artist. Because like when Izzy like later on in the story when he like walks in on Roger and sees like all the destruction says like Oi Gavalt, I was like that seems like a milk and cheese like the little snappy <laughs> dialogue that kind of shit that makes total sense. That's so funny, dude. I should really look at this shit before. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? You're just reading it. Just do I love it. it. So they go, they're continuing to follow this black metal band. They go to a castle to find him. Another quick joke from the Izzy character. What's that noise? That is black metal. Sounds like a cookie monster getting castrated in a chainsaw factory. Which is (laughs) such like a, yeah, that like milk and cheese makes total sense in this fucking, that this is (laughs) the same guy. Yeah, so you kind of see inside there's like a really rowdy metal audience. They've got pitchforks and like fucking spears and like Viking weapons, like swords and shit. And he's talking about destroying the Judeo-Christian invaders that came there thousands of years ago and all that good stuff. In the back of the crowd, you see the BPRD agents and Roger standing like, damn, Black Circle, Ordo Templi. Orentis, Viking Liberation Front. All they're missing is straight Nazis. Those think those weapons are real? Thunk. Or like, you know, <laughs> shink. You asking him or me with like a fun, like, you know, like a man was just killed next to you, but you still got the snappy joke. But it is funny. It's very funny. And yeah. it's, yeah, that, that dryness about it is very yeah, funny. <laughs> it's good. So yeah, they're, you know, violence is breaking out here. They start just like, ripping into this crowd like roger starts punching people and like izzy's opening fire with two like double fisting handguns shooting at people and they follow the guy like the band down into a corridor another another trap door <laughs> just like in a theater of the damned or whatever they yeah. run down into the corridor and they see this sort of like eagle over a cross like a almost an iron cross looking thing but it's like a cross with the circle around it and is, yeah. Izzy identifies it as a Kiesling universist. Uh, Roger, my boy, we have a we have Nazi. And <laughs> I looked at it and it's like, a, I guess the Kiesling were in like in Norway and basically like translates to traitor. But it's because oh. of this. It's a new Norwegian wartime leader, Vidkin Kiesling, who headed a domestic Nazi collaborationist regime during World War II. So, like, the Nazis were invading them, but certain people were, like, supporting the invading Nazis. And so that's kind of what that means, which is fucked. Okay. Crazy. So they've run... (laughs) We see the band run down into this, like, dungeon science lab, and we hear the scientists kind of talking about, like, do you have another girl for... Uh, for him like for Hamir he's he's angry and like he took his hand and then you flip the page and see it, a giant baby in a big like vat or like <laughs> crate or something like essentially it's like a, a giant 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. A giant, like, metal crib. Yeah. A giant <laughs> the metal's melted. steel crib um, with, like, uh, sort of, like, tubes of incubating other babies in the background of other giant blue babies. And Roger and Izzy catch up to them, and they kind of see the whole, like, see them arguing, the band and the scientists. Uh, what are they saying? Uh, I like this whole exchange of like having Izzy translated to Roger in his like funny way. It's like a good way to kind of show all of that and but in like a humorous in humorous language or whatever. Yeah, I think it's a very cool te- like uh choice yeah, to make. Yeah. It's really great. What are they saying? Well, the one-armed dude saying the metalheads brought on brought this on when they dumped the girl. Durdick says he deserved she deserved a Viking funeral and thought the fire would cover everything, yada, 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 <laughs> like just kind of like <laughs> summarizing what they're saying. And it turns out like the baby is like they found an ice giant and they were trying to like clone the ice giant. And that's what all these big blue babies are. Um, <laughs> and the band leader, uh, Diedrich, kind of says like, fuck Himir, the big baby. And the scientist is like, screw you and your crappy music. And then the Diedrich like s- just slices that guy's head off. I'd say that's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> Where he, like Izzy doesn't have to translate that part of it. <laughs> the baby gets super upset, pukes up a bunch of acid, burns everybody to like nearly. I love that it yells out, Dada! Yeah. <laughs> so it's like just freaking out and everybody's like, good baby, good baby. And he pukes acid onto everyone. Um, and then somebody like still burning with acid crawls over to hit this like self-destruct sort of button. Um, I think it's Dietrich. I think it's Dietrich because he has the he has the scar, the cross. Oh yeah, the cross scar on, his, on head his head and the same the bands on his arm. Yeah, <laughs> and he's got like his guts falling out and stuff, which is very metal. So as the building's collapsing, Roger's looking on at the baby who's still crying and holding his, like, Dada's headless body, the scientist's <laughs> body. And you see Roger, like, hold up a gun and say, I'm sorry. And that kind of cuts away, like, uh, implying that he shot, like, he mercy killed this baby. And the therapist is sort of taking it all in, like, it was in pain, you know, trying to, like, comfort him for a second. But then Roger's like, uh, can I ask you something? Of course, Roger. What did you do with Dr. Ramsey's body after you killed her? And then you turn the page and it's this, like, creature wow yeah which i was like oh that's a nice twist i totally didn't even see that coming at all yeah i didn't Uh, see it it was great and this creature like looks fucking awesome too i think it's almost like wrapped in bandages with like nine fingers on each hand and like crazy like pointy shoulders and hip bones like jutting out and a bunch of multiple eyeballs yeah it's really cool so the thing is a tet uh temot Temhot, a grief eater. Yeah. So like, yeah. So like Roger basically like found out that this doctor was replaced by this grief eating monster, which makes sense for somebody who would work in that field. That's a pretty tough field, I guess. So Roger and her start fighting. Roger's like, uh, like the creature's like, and your gun is useless. And he's like, that's why I brought this black and Decker cordless rigged with the nails from your victim's coffins. And he shoots her with that, and that does the trick, which is, like, so fun. (laughs) It's just, like, a fun way of being, like, of incorporating the mythos of this creature with, um, you know, modern solutions, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking Black black and Decker Decker with your victim's uh, coffin nails. (laughs) The windows, like, blow out on this thing. Like, the explosion from killing this monster is huge. Jesus Christmas, Roger. 
like a vault. I knew it was a bad idea. You okay? Like, as Izzy comes back in to check on him. No. You want to talk about it? I don't charge by the hour or explode. Thanks. No. Told her about Oslo, didn't you? Huh. I guess the weather cleared up. Are you kidding? Goddamn rain. He, like, can't. <laughs> so, like, nice little, like, callbacks. Like, I think this was, like, the best written of the three. And totally. I really got to go back and read some more Milk and Cheese because I really enjoyed this one and, you know, didn't pick up on that it was the same people. Either uh, Yeah, I this was my favorite out of the three as well. Yeah. I love, I think the writing is really fun. I think all the turns are great. I think it's fun that, like, oh, we think it's just Roger seeking a therapist because, yeah. and I love even in his story he's telling, it's like, oh, we think we're after just these murderous cult dark metal band. No, they're make, they found a frost giant and they're scientists. Yeah. Then that's like becomes, oh no, then we get the turn where it's like, no, the doctors and actually a demo. I think all of that is so good. It's a really fun way to show two, to show different monsters too. Like it's a fun way to concisely show these two. Like it's a really cool idea. A monster that eats grief. Like, that's really fun. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. And of course, it would be a therapist, as you already mentioned. Yeah. It's so funny. And we've seen a lot of throwaway BPRD agents in these weird tales, like sort of like one off agents. But I really did like this Izzy character. Like, I think it's pretty well developed, well character, like a good characterized person in their story. Yeah. For, you know, especially considering they don't have a ton of space. And I don't know. I thought they did a great job on this one. I 100% agree. I mean, I would watch another adventure that included Izzy. I think that yeah. would be fun. Yeah. I almost am sad that we didn't get to... Like, here's my my only... And it's not even a criticism. It's just because I think they did such a good job of developing every character and element of their story that, man, there's a part of me that wishes that Roger... That this was slightly canon. Roger didn't shoot Hymir, and Hymir was somewhere in the BPRD, like, yeah, like storage playing. being taken care of. Like, Similar la, to the... La, la. Yeah, similar to the um, the Wendigo, which uh, yeah. he was just like tucked away, and they were taking care of Ymir. <laughs> the Wendigo is so tragic, though, because they're like, "You're gonna forget your person." Yeah, very much. I'm so. excited to see that character get like revisited. I really want to see kind of where they take that, if if anywhere. If, I don't know if how much. I hope they do. He comes back. Yeah. Yeah, but that's. I loved this. I mean, my favorite stuff Same. about it. I, is I mean the writing is all sharp and clean and they really it just feels so I mean again I, I just think they told a great story in general my favorite panels I mean I love the I love the three one that we hit with the the BPRD agent getting thunked in the head with the arrow I think that's so fun I love yeah. the reveal of Hymir I think that large panel is just such great and there's just so much being told in that one panel of it's not wasted space unlike the one where we. And I'm going to compare it because they're in this this reading that we're doing. Similar, it's like such use of the half panel because they're yeah. using all the space for my eye to like gather oh, yeah. information. There's so like you can go to the corner and be like, oh, there's scientists up there with broken arms and but with gas masks. Because I think the focal clones. point, the focal point in the middle is the argument. It's everything important that you need is right there in the middle, and it's framed by these other fun things on the edge yeah. it's not like you're missing anything on the edge. i mean not that like the second gorilla is like so essential to that story but i think like i think that they just do it a little more successfully here where you're like you're seeing the argument between the scientists and the band you're seeing the reveal of the huge baby there's like visual space 
there's like a frame of negative space around the baby so that it stands out. It has a thicker black outline than yeah. the stuff behind it. So that creates like like it visually brings it forward. And like the little bricks around it, none of them you can see like none of them touch the baby, but they do go behind the like wires of the like tubes of incubator fluid or whatever that's yeah. behind. And like like there is like if you want to float around this picture and take a look, bring like take in all the other details you can. But if you're trying to read it fast, you can still understand what's happening. I, I think it's just so it's just really well done. I agree. I mean, and the information you take in so fast is it informs everything you've read up to that point where simply the idea of these these bars by the baby are melted and there's right, holes in the melted. ground. You there's, immediately go, oh, that's what happened to the girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if you're, yeah, if you're like an astute reader, you're like, oh, this baby, some, you know, he can melt something somehow. Or, How? Let's yeah. find out. <laughs> or apparently eats other people <laughs> right yeah that's when i first saw that i was like oh maybe he like eats girls or something but then the, you know they obviously already showed you this girl was like melted i love by it something yeah but you see like fun like injured scientists up at the top you see like first aid kit with like blood splattered over some electronic equipment you see like a rune painted on the side of the baby's steel crib like there's a lot of cool shit happening in the yeah. background that you don't like need to read in order to it's just like some spice on it. It's great. I agree. And I think the choice to make Roger have to like actually have this weird element of gr of turmoil inside of him with killing this giant baby, it to me shows that these these two this creative team is fully aware of the character. Yeah. I think that actually plays right. into it's not what like we know of Roger level references only it's like this is a the, like this is a deeper understanding of the character yeah roger trying to be a human and this is an element that would inform him but yeah there, i just the knowledge base of the material that they're working with and then their exploration on it is done the highest skill i love yeah. this i loved this one yeah it was great and the temhot monster is so fucking cool too it's so creepy and perfect. Just a great <laughs> reveal, too, man. Like, just good storytelling all around, visually and writing. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100% they on that. They knocked this one out of the park. I think it's one of my favorite ones. Like, at the end, we should, like, put them in order. From, like, rate rate them? Yeah. I mean, we don't okay. have to. Eh, we'll rate them. You People just, you like just said we should. Though, you know? People love lists. We'll do a rating system. Yeah. We'll do that at the very end. That's a promise to all of you out there. <laughs> By people, I mean me. Whenever I'm like getting into a new band, I'll be like, look up that band name albums ranked because I'm trying to start with the good stuff. I, I, I got to figure out if I like this band or not. Totally. I can't I love like it. judge a band on their worst album, you know? No, you can't. Yeah. Because every album, every band most likely has a bad album. They got a stinker in there somewhere. Yes, they do. Well, that's it for Weird Tales that's this it. week. Um, we have two more after this to round out our Weird Tales episodes. Just a heads up to all of our listeners. What follows that? I have yet to determine. We have yet to determine, me and Kate, but we will let you know, of course. Yeah. But we want to hear from all of you out there about your thoughts um, and responses to anything we've covered, specifically this week's Weird Tales or any Weird Tales or anything prior to the Weird Tales quarantine episodes, anything you'd like to comment on. Yeah. Any uh, moments where you're like, you two dummies didn't notice this. 
Go ahead and tell us. Please tell us. We'll, we'll respond to it. we'll appreciate it if you want. We will appreciate your knowledge <laughs> that you share with us. Um, you can uh, email us at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we will respond to those and talk about all your emails and comments that you share with us via that awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at awcrapahellboypodcast, Twitter at awcraphellboy. We have a lot coming down um, in the future, including some original art from our friend Scott Stanley. I'm very getting excited yeah. to the point where we can share that, uh, as well as we have some giveaways that will include stickers. I'm just teasing all of this stuff. Hopefully yeah. you'll like it. And then we found out right before we went into this recording that um, our network, uh, Campfire Media, is doing a rebranding of our logo, which is exciting. Yeah. Uh, uh, artist who, who's been a guest on the podcast, James Mulholland, is doing a full um, redesign of our logo. What he already shared and has thoughts on what he's going to be doing for that logo are exciting. He's taking inspiration from two very specific covers by Mike Mignola himself. So that's just a tease of some stuff coming. Once I'm very excited once we see that and we'll be able to share it with all the listeners. Hopefully yeah. you'll like it as much as us. Uh, that's it. There's going to yeah. be a lot coming down. Again, a giveaway, of course. I'll keep saying that. A giveaway will be coming. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> in 2021, somebody's going to get something. Something. Oh, it will be this year. I promise. That. Yeah. And also, please give us a rating and review on wherever you're listening. And if you go on Apple Podcasts and you give us a five star review um, that starts with the word boom. We'll give you a shout out right here on the podcast. Read your review. We call that boom reviews. It helps bring people to the show. Thank you again for listening. We really appreciate it. And remember, we love you. I'm going to grab a coffee and then we'll jump into weird tales. Okay, cool. I just, I already finished one cup. Whoa. Whoa. Hey, Rachel, Oscar. Yeah, Claire? Claire? Do you love Disney movies? Uh-huh. Have you seen them all? Not, Not all, all of them. them. What do you guys think if we watch them all in chronological order and then talk about them? Ooh. Oh, and what if we could talk about it with some of our favorite friends? <gasps> I love that. Yeah, what if we do it inside the Disney Vault? You know, that's the name of our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault on Campfire Media. Yeah, check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to yours. That's Inside the Disney Vault. Let's go. Woo! Campfire.